0: and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor-teacher, Harry Reeder. I love this
1: letter, Hebrews. Number one, it solves who makes the coffee in the morning. You know, I really like that joke. I don't know why it doesn't work any better than it does. Secondly, I get to tell you who I think wrote... Hebrews? No, I don't think it was Paul, but there's some Paulinisms. So I think it was someone close to Paul, and I think you got two choices personally. Well, three choices. Somebody we have no idea under the direction of Paul, therefore apostolic authority. Or, secondly, someone close to Paul. Maybe someone like Apollos or thirdly, I believe it's the third volume of Luke's trilogy. I think it was Luke that actually wrote this under the direction of Paul for various reasons. But it's an interesting epistle and I want to go to, I want you to go to it with me simply to take a look at chapter 12 and verse 1 and, and uh, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, one of the things that I'd like to mention to you is for the next three months, On Sunday nights, except for intermittent services for various special reasons, I want to walk you through a study of biblical biographies. Tonight, I want to tell you, give you my rationale with three, answering three questions. Who will we study? What do you study when you look at biblical biographies? And thirdly, why? Why are biblical biographies worth studying and why should we study them and what should be our focus in it? So that's what I hope to do today. But I want to maybe substantiate why we're doing it from the text in front of you, Hebrews chapter 12. It's one of my favorite texts for, because of family story. Uh, in my own family, a little story here. Um when our uh, oldest was born, um, yeah, I was pretty aggressive on family devotions. And since I was taking Greek, I felt like she ought to learn Greek. And uh, so we started with Greek and then we went to the shorter catechism and uh, just skipped the children's catechism, went to the shorter catechism. And all of the creeds and confessions and, of course, the Apostles' Creed was was one. and um, And then memory verses. So this was these two verses was my oldest daughter's memory verse when we when I was at Covenant College. And um, and then when we would have people in to eat with us and host people for an evening of either encouragement of believers or evangelism of lost people, one of my bridges for evangelism At our little banquets, which weren't much of a banquet, but in our little banquets, um, was I would say, well, we're so glad to have you in our home. Now, one of the things we do at the dinner table is have family devotion. So thank you for coming. And guess what? You get to participate, at least listen in. And so we would go through the reading of the scripture. And then I would turn. I didn't have the other two children yet, but I turned to the oldest and I said to her, I said, Jennifer, um, why don't you share with the people what you're learning? And um, and so we um, now sometimes when you're a young child, a couple of years old, you're not kind of being able to separate things that you're learning. And uh, so, um, you know, I'm kind of a. Proud daddy, I guess, and uh but God has a way of humbling you when you've exalted yourself, or exalting you when you've humbled yourself. And so He has then humbled me that day. As I turned to my daughter and I said to her, We've learned the Apostles' Creed, haven't we? She said, Yes. And I said, And we've learned Hebrews twelve, right? And she said, Yes. And I said, Why don't you share it with them? So I'll never forget this moment. I love this. Every time I come to this verse, I think of it. So she began, therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also run with endurance the race that is set before us. And let us also lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us, affixing our eyes on Jesus, who for the cross that was set before him endured its shame. And despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the Father. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. <laughs> so I think I set my daughter up for, for my own humility that day. But I love this passage, this, this pivotal moment Hebrews has unfolded the glories of the new covenant that comes through the concealment of the new covenant in the old covenant that's now revealed what the old covenant was all about in the new covenant and you got Moses but now we got one better than Moses you got David now we got one better than David you've got uh you've got the Levitical priest but now we've got the priest according to the order of Melchizedek and here is the glory of the new covenant and then he says but these old covenant saints have so much to teach us. And then you have this great chapter in chapter 11 by faith. And we see Noah. We see Enoch. We see Gideon. We see Samson. We see we see saint after saint like you. On the other side, anticipating Christ, saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, the promised one, by their believing the promises of God. And then how they lived by faith. And then having given us this, as many preachers call it in chapter 11, the hall of faith. He then goes to chapter 12. Don't miss the first word. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses. In other words, what is he telling you? These trophies of grace that have been enumerated, not exhaustively of all of them in the Old Testament, but specifically selected ones by the Spirit of God, the writer of Hebrews says they were there for you. So you could learn from them so you could understand what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. What you can understand How you walk by faith That's been secured as a gift from God's grace And you even have a better position You're on the other side Of the fulfillment of the promises of God In the new covenant But learn from these in the old covenant And he unfolds these great saints For us to learn How? What do you learn from them? You want to know how to deal with entangling sin? Take a look at them You want to know how to, how to shed everything that would keep you back from running the race to the glory of God, to the best of your ability, take a look at them. Take a look at them, warts, pimples, and beauty marks, all of it. Because I'll show it to you. And see what you can learn from them. Brothers and sisters, if I had the opportunity to personally disciple every single one of you, I would do what I'm going to do these coming Sunday nights. I would introduce you to models of the faith. I would introduce you to mentors in the faith. I would introduce you to those who have gone before you that can motivate you in the faith. And that's what I propose to do. In fact, I propose to do it and it laid upon my heart so much that I'm actually going to not only do this on Sunday night, but God, by God's grace, unless he intervenes, I want to do what I'd already brought to the elders at the session, and that is for the Advent season. I'm going to keep the biographical studies, move, move them to Sunday morning. And I want to introduce you biographies from the nativity. What do you learn from the innkeeper? Shepherds, from wise men. God has recorded for us in His Word biographies. They are there for our encouragement, for our edification, for our conviction, for our consolation. Here is the great cloud of witnesses all through the 66 books of your Bible. So, Pastor, who are you going to introduce us to? Now, let me confess, I want to get this off my heart. I'm doing this because this, to me, is one way that I can disciple from a distance, yet be very personal, by introducing you to these biographical narratives. You know, I love history. I guess you know that. And probably there's no greater piece of history I love. In fact, if you go to my library to look through my history books, you'll find the majority of them are biographies. I think there's no better way to learn about history than to read about the people that were living it, making it, and that were enduring it, and that were shaping it. That's why when people say to me, you know, pastor, you need to rethink some of your theology or you're going to be on the wrong side of history. That does that has no impact on me whatsoever, because the people that I read who make history never worry about being on the wrong side of history. That's why they make history. And while I'll never be able to untie the latches of their shoes, I do know this. Those who make history not only are not worried about not being on the wrong side of history, their heart desire is to be on the right side of theology. And that's the right side of God. And that's why I want to introduce you to these people. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to show you the warts and pimples as well as their beauty marks. I want to show you all of that because the Bible records it. And the Bible records it for a reason. Now, Pastor, who are you going to introduce us to? Well, I can give you some names of these Sunday night biblical biographies that we're going to take a look. But I'll go ahead and alert you to something I already said this morning. But it bears repeating tonight. I'm not going to take the easy way out. <laughs> Joseph. Daniel. Job. Job. be pretty easy to come up with a 46 minute sermon, 42 to 46 minute sermon on these guys. But I'm not going there. The best way I know to shape it is this um, when another thing that we would do as a family is and my wife and I was if there was ever a movie worth seeing that we could see, we would go see it and we would download it. We would debrief it. We would talk about it. And um I remember one of my children one time said to me, Daddy, can't we just watch the movie? No, we can't, because that's what they want you to do is just sit there and watch it while they pour it into you, what they're trying to communicate. You've got to filter it. You've got to take a look at it. You. You've got to understand it. And um, and that's when I said to her, I said, you know, if you, did, if you understood that, you wouldn't have made that mistake in devotions back uh, when you were two years old. You understand that, don't you? But here, folks, here's the deal, is that everything that's being communicated to us comes through a world-in-life view. People have a perspective they're communicating to you. I don't care what, it's a song, it's a book, it's a play, it's a, um, whatever it is, there's something being communicated. Visually, audio, and uh and and as you're seeing it and hearing it, it's impacting you. But here's what I begin to understand: is that whenever I would look at the story and I would go to a movie in particular, there was I, I noticed something. The movies I was enjoying and learning from, and that kept me, not only had good leading men and women. There were what the business calls character actors. Go try to find a John Wayne movie without Chill Wills. You won't even find one. Uh, Go and find, go and take a look at a Clint Eastwood movie. I can tell you eight of the people that are going to be in the cast. Because he knew those were the people that nobody, everybody paid for the leading man and the leading woman. But the people that made the story were the people you usually skip over. Like Nathan. We love to go to David. But if you didn't have Nathan, you wouldn't have David as the man that he is. What does the Bible say about Nathan? Nathan. Where was the first revival that perhaps staved off to some degree the flood's application for another generation? Enoch walked with God and was no more. So come next week. Take a look at Enoch. Gideon. Samson. Miriam, Deborah, Nathan, the nondescript preacher. Here are all of these characters that have so much to say to us. And the Bible presents them to us with honesty. These are the people that fill in the blanks. We usually go to the quote unquote leading men and women. And understandably so, and should. But don't miss these background characters that bring so much to us. And I want to introduce them to you on Sunday nights, and, and even do so on Sunday morning for the Advent series. So that's who, but what are we going to study? Well, we've got plenty of material. Now, I don't have many weeks to do this. And when I get to the end, I'm going to recommend two books to you uh, that have been published, one of them by the greatest preacher, one of the greatest preachers that's ever lived, Alexander White. And I'm going to recommend some books to you if you want to continue this study, because there's a lot of room to continue to study. I didn't do this. Howard Hendricks did this, but I agree with him. I think I trust him. He says that there are three hundred and sixty. I'm sorry. There are three hundred and forty nine biographical studies in your Bible. Three hundred and forty nine. In other words, if I take every night, I could preach for over two years on this. Three hundred and forty nine biographical sketches in your Bible. Then he makes an amazing statement. I'm going to take him at his word. 349 biographical sketches, but only 67 finished strong. Only 67 finished the course strong. Their last mile was their best mile. What do we have to learn from those 67? What do we have to learn from the 200 plus that didn't finish strong? So I want to take you to the biblical data. I want to take you to the biblical data, at least on some of these on Sunday night. And there's more there than you think. And the Bible knows there's a lot there for you to take in. In fact, do you have your Bibles ready? Let me show you the passages that moved upon my heart to do this series. Would you take your Bibles and go with me to 1 Thessalonians? And I'm just going to do this not with a linear logical thought, but just to kind of help out in terms of location in your Bible. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians. New Christians, here's the encouragement. All the T's are together. So if you get to a Timothy or a Titus, you're close to Thessalonians. First Thessalonians, let me help you again. It's right in front of Second Thessalonians. It's great. Every time you look, it'll be right there. Look with me in First Thessalonians chapter 1. Take a look at verse, take a look at verse, uh, Five, because our gospel did not come to you, uh, because our gospel came to you, not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. You know what kind of men you saw our lives, the biography of our life to some degree while we were there. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became what? Imitators. You used us as models and mentors. Slip over to chapter 2 of First Thessalonians. Chapter 2 and go down with me to verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God which you heard from us... In other words, you modeled, we mentored you, we modeled for you, you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as for what it really is, the word of God which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the church. for you, I'm sorry, for you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. You suffered, in other words, you not only learned from us, you learned from your brothers who were suffering for Christ in Judea. You grabbed a hold of some biographical messages. Slip over with me to the passage in Hebrews that I just read, chapter 12, and then go over one more chapter with me. Go over one more chapter with me. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. One of my favorite passages. Verse 7 this actually was the foundation of the book I wrote, three D Leadership was out of this verse. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Look at their narrative. Look at their biography. Your leaders. And then imitate their faith. Learn from it. Learn how to embrace it. Learn how to embrace it for the Lord. Take your Bibles and go over to Third John. You do know you got four Johns in your Bible. Big John, three little Johns. Go to the little, little John. Well, the next to little John. Third John. Go to third John in chapter one. There's a giveaway. Slip down, if you would, to verse um, ten. Ten. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. In other words, he's going to identify the false teacher. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. So in other words, there are things you don't imitate and there are things you do. And can I say something? You're going to see things in the life of biographical studies that are good by God's grace. And you're also going to see things that aren't good. That's why when Paul tells Timothy to imitate him, he always qualifies it. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Don't imitate the sin that you see. And there are no perfect models except Jesus. And the Bible will be honest about this. So we'll know what is right to imitate and what is wrong and what is behind what we're imitating. In fact, would you go to just one more passage with me? Oh, two more passages, but in one more uh, letter. Go to 1 Corinthians. It's one that I just referred to. Go with me to First Corinthians and slip into chapter 4. Chapter 4 of First Corinthians. Go down to verse 14. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy. Timothy. My beloved and faithful child in the Lord to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Now, listen, do you see, do you get what he just did? He said this, I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send to you Timothy, who was discipled by me who imitated me as I imitate Christ because now not only do you have me you have the man who learned of Christ from me and you can imitate him now we got two generations and we're about to have a third one and that is the generation that learns of Timothy and Paul both pastor this imitation thing Do you really believe? Yes, I believe that two things affect you in your Christian walk. One is instruction and the other is imitation. I know you probably think, Harry, you believe instruction is more important than imitation, right? You believe the mentoring is more important than the modeling, right? Well, yes and no. Let me explain that. I believe the modeling is important. I believe that 80% of what you learn in life, you learn by imitation. And of course, you all know my favorite example of this is, um, well, I'll just pick on the fellows. What a wonderful group of intelligent people who love Jesus and have come to learn. I talked with most of them thus far. Looking forward to talking with more of them. And gratefully, we were able to converse because they speak English. Now, why do they speak English? Well, for most of them, the reason they speak English was here this morning. Their parents. But let me tell you what happened. Do you know who taught them and you how to speak your native tongue? You said, well, Harry, you have already told us our parents. Yes, they did. But particularly your mama. Now Daddy likes to get credit for it, but Daddy didn't really get it. It was your mama. Now stop and think about this. Many of you have learned to some degree some foreign language, Spanish, or you know in my case I had to get Greek and Hebrew and Spanish when I was in high school. And I learned from vocabulary cards, didn't you? Here's the English word. Here's the Word you're learning in the foreign language so that it's not as foreign to you. But you had the vocabulary card. But when you were born, you learned a foreign language. And there was no vocabulary card. And you were taught by your mother. Who was never trained to teach a foreign language, much less teach a foreign language without vocabulary cards. That's an amazing I mean, whenever I read all of the educational associations tell parents they can't do it, I say, well, let me, get, I got news for you. They've already done the most difficult educational feat possible. They taught their children a the foreign language with no point of reference. Now, why was that able to happen? For two reasons. Number one is a mother's particular gift. And yes, I am not an egalitarian. I do not believe that men and women are interchangeable. I think they're equal but they're not interchangeable. A mother's love and leadership is different than a father's love and leadership. It's not one superior to the other. It's both are needed and both are different. We are different and it's not just biologically. We use words differently. We see things differently. We function differently and our children need That and they need that father's love. Did you hear what I just read? I was a father to you. That's why I love what Seth said a few moments ago for the fellows and for you, they're imperfect. But I thank God for the constellation of leaders, ordained, formal and informal leaders in the Lord's church, small group leaders, congregational community leaders, elders, deacons, pastors, leaders upon leaders upon leaders, male leaders, female leaders. I am so grateful for the constellation. In fact, one of the ways I think my favorite moment of every day <laughs> is the moment of the day that's called the gloaming. Does anyone know what the gloaming is? G-L-O-A-M-I-N-G? Well, that's when the sun has gone down, but the rays are still shining. I love that moment with the breeze that comes with it, with the sights and the shadows that are lengthening, In all of that moment, just to sit and stop and think in the quietness of it. And then to see, as the darkness descends, the constellations that come out. It's just absolutely awe-inspiring. And I know the God that made that. Can you imagine that? He created The greater light for the day, the lesser light. I love the way that I just love the way in fact in our conference, I read it again. He made the greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night and the stars. (laughs) Just and the stars. Can you imagine this? These constellations. Well, there is a constellation of leadership that if you'll stop and think and look you can learn from, not only your father. And fathers, please don't abandon your role as a father. I know you think they're not learning. They are. But they're not going to learn for you if you need to be like them. We need our young and our youth to grow up and be like you. I couldn't even wait to wear my daddy's clothes. And I'm glad he didn't feel the necessity to wear mine. And so that we want to put on the life of our fathers, not only in our family, but in the family of God, the church. And our fathers and mothers from church history. And from biblical narratives these wonderful biographies to learn from them, to see them. And just like my father in my home was not perfect and there were things that I would not pick up, but there was so much for me to learn. So it is of these fathers that I am learning from. Paul says, I was a father. Now, here's my son, Timothy. He is now my son, Timothy, who learned from me is going to become a father for you. Learn from him. And then one other passage. Would you go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11? Chapter 11. This perhaps is my favorite one. Chapter 11 and verse 1. Be imitators of me as I imitate as I am of Christ. Find your models Learn from them as they followed Christ. And where they are able to give you, stand on their shoulders. Do not fall prey to the arrogance of modernity that dismisses the past. Give your granddaddy. Give your daddy. Give your grandmother. Give your mother. Give your spiritual grandparents and fathers and mothers. Give them a voice in your life. Look at their life and learn from their life. Know their life. And God has given us 349. 67 of them finished strong. So who? Well, I'm looking at the secondary people, but I think they have a primary impact. What? We're looking at the biblical data honestly. And as we take a look at it, we are going to be instructed as to what to imitate in life. Just like that little baby learns to speak the foreign language because not only is there a father's commitment and a mother's gifts, but you and I are born imitators. That's why the world tries to keep getting in front of you celebrities. I want you to find heroes. Celebrities are parasites that live off of a culture and ultimately destroy the people that pattern their life after them. Heroes are those who make cultures worth living in. There are none of them are going to be perfect, but find those whom the Lord has used and is using. Find them from not only in the church, find them not only in the leadership, extend that constellation to church history, extend that constellation to biblical biographies and learn from them. Why? Well, let me give you two reasons why this is where I'll conclude. Number one, because of biblical content. Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to a very familiar passage? And I'll only take a moment in it. Second, Timothy, chapter three and verses 16 and 17. So we're going to study biblical biographies. Question, where do you find biblical biographies? This is not hard in the Bible. Guess what we know about everything in the Bible. Look at verse 16. All scripture came from whom? From God. Is God breathed? And is what? Profitable. So if God put 300 and... Excuse me. 300 and 49... Bible biographies for us to know in his word then he's got them there to profit us what went right what went wrong where it went right where it went wrong God didn't put them in there just to do filler he's got them there all scripture is profitable for teaching to instruct us for reproof to change us, for correction, to redirect us, and to train us in righteousness so that the man and the woman of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work, then why would we leave out 349 biographical studies? They're in there to profit us, to equip us, to train us and the content is in there and when god put it in there he put it in there through human authors some of them are the ones we're going to study and when he put them in there he makes that, that becomes a part of scripture and scripture is profitable and scripture is profitable to teach us why so that we can be instructed and we can imitate what we learn as we fix our eyes on jesus not the models The models are signposts. They're pointing us to Jesus. And where they point us away from Jesus, then we don't want to go that way. But where they point us to Jesus, that's where we want to learn from them. Now, you're going to read books that tell preachers not to do what I'm going to do. It's called rabbinical preaching. It's called moralism's. It's only moralism if I don't connect these characters to Jesus. What I want you to know is what Paul wants you to know. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul, how did you come to imitate Christ? I am what I am by the grace of God. I want you to see in their life not simply something to mimic, But to know where it comes from, who it comes from, how it came to them, and how what you don't want to do that you see in their life got in their life when they got their eyes off of Jesus. I believe that they're there to point us to Christ. Yes, but they're there to point us to Christ. Yes, I am not going to preach a sermon, dare to be a Daniel and God's going to save you. No, I'm, but I am going to tell you what Daniel, well, I'm not in this series, but I will tell you what a Daniel is and what he does. Then I'll tell you who made Daniel. It was the grace of God and how he made Daniel and how Jesus did his work in Daniel's life and what it looks like when Jesus does a work in a man or a woman's life so that we can learn of it, its origin and its capstone. The foundation of the biographies of the Bible, of those that are pointing us to Christ, comes from Christ. The capstone of those whom we're studying are sending us to Christ. So we're not only going to study these because God put them there to study. It's part of Bible content. And all scripture is profitable. But we're also going to study because of biblical intent. Why are they there? They're there to give you hope. You've heard me say it. Three of the most prolific writers of your Bible. Moses. David. Paul. Murder. Or manslaughter. I don't know about you, but that encourages me. If God does that with a religious terrorist... Like Paul, what might he do yet with us? If God does that with a man who's willing to take somebody's life out of his own tempestuous anger, like Moses, what might he do with us? If God could take Peter, a traitor, three times, what might he do with us? If God could take that same Peter who later would falter and start preaching a false gospel and have to be corrected by Paul, what yet might he do with us? You see, I want us to take the Bible content and use it for its intent. And one of those is to tell us God saved sinners and he uses saved sinners whom he makes saints by the blood and righteousness of Christ. Secondly, I want you to get those. See, if I, would, if I would say to you as a disciple, there are three L's I want to be in your life. Love, learn, and live. Love Jesus, his word, and everything that Jesus loves, which he tells you in his word. Learn Jesus from his word by the teacher, the Holy Spirit. And then fix your eyes on Jesus and use models and mentors, but live your life for Christ. I would just quote Jim Elliot. One life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ. Will last. Then I would say. If you want those three L's. To be lived out. Then you need the three M's. You need models. To imitate. Mentors. For instruction. And motivators. For inspiration. And I want to introduce you. To some imperfect. But God-given and recorded models and mentors, and by God's grace, that will motivate you. And we'll do so by getting into the scriptures. And by the way, not only will we learn about Jesus who saved them, who was patient with them, who was molding them, who was making them. And we can learn from them about the Jesus we love and how to live for Jesus with models and ment- models for imitation, mentors for instruction and motivators for inspiration. But as you're looking at them, you know what some of them are? They're types of Christ. For us. They're there to tell us something about Jesus. And then we would learn even more about our Savior. So join me in the journey. I'll cry to get, maybe when that Briarwood Weekly shows up, don't just shove it to the side. Don't hit trash. Or don't put it in the wastebasket. Find the text for Sunday night. I'm going to give you three for next Sunday night. You'll see them. They'll get to you this week. I want to introduce you to Enoch. First revival. Walked with God. And was no more. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time we could be together in your word tonight. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of the evening sacrifice of praise and worship. Thank you for those who led us. We thank you for the opportunity to greet the fellows as they take up their uh, course this year. We pray you would bless them and saturate them with your spirit and your word and use your people in their life and use the lives of these biographies we study from your word to challenge us to imitate Christ through these signposts, to learn of Christ through these mentors and to be inspired and motivated to follow Christ. If you could do that with them, what would you do with us? Here I am, Lord. Send me. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: You have been listening to a message by Harry Reader, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, Or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reader, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.